This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is episode 24. Thank you. Welcome. My name is Keith. Happy to have you. I'm joined by my co-host, Zach. We'll touch base with him in a second. Um, This is pretty much draft fallout week. Everyone talks about what their team did or didn't do. Uh, over the course of the weekend, Thursday through Saturday. If you're a Dolphins fan, which if you're tuning in this show, I'm going to assume that you are. There's a lot to talk about. So, Zach, I mean, we're, we'll just move right into it because I want to try to keep this show within the, within the, uh, I guess you'd say, scope of about three hours. So, for Thursday night comes. We all expected you and I, Kyler Murray, would go number one. He did. Even after the talk earlier in the week that it wasn't going to happen. It happens. Not only that, though. Actually, let me stop. We'll stop everything for a second. Let's do this instead. I want to congratulate you. Because I don't think we've talked about this. You, in January, accurately predicted the Dolphins' first-round pick, which is Christian Wilkins. We'll get to him in a second. And then as soon as Kyler Murray was hemming and hawing over whether he was going to play baseball or not, you thought, huh, I wonder if the Dolphins could poach Josh Rosen. And they did. That was also in January. So I feel like you need to just quit the internet at this point because it's never going to get better. I would love to. I would love to. It's it's good to know that I have peaked internet-wise at 26, and it's all downhill from here. Um, You know, the game plan is hopefully I don't make it to 30, so there ain't much longer to have to internet for. Right. Then you pick the right time to to (laughs) peak, fortunately. We don't have to worry about your down years. So, Uh, like I was saying, so we we didn't believe, we talked about this last week, we didn't buy the whole Kyler Murray isn't going to go number one thing. We called that total crap. It was. He went number one. And then for a little while, it was chalk there. And then Oakland made it interesting. And then that story comes out today that the, the Raiders wanted to trade down with the Dolphins. See, I feel like previous incarnations of the Dolphins front office would have made that deal too. It would have traded up to four. They did it this time. Cleveland Farrell goes to the Oakland Raiders at four. 
soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders at some point. I mean, you've seen the Daniel Jones thing, the all the videos of Giants fans losing their minds. That one, the one dude who's like giving himself a wedgie, he's like wearing Umbro's shorts with a Landon Collins T-shirt. <clears throat> I'm not sure about that combination. It doesn't work out the way that most people would expect it to fail. So everything fall like the Packers take Rashawn Gary. The board totally falls the way the Dolphins want it to, and the way. True to what you thought, they go Christian Wilkins. They go for the stud interior guy. So what do you think? Now that we've talked about he could be a Dolphin, now he is, and how do you feel about it? I mean, I feel the same way when we had the conversation of he could be a Dolphin. You know, the stars align, and it, and it makes sense from not a, only a a scheme player kind of need standpoint, but but a locker room, like the the culture that – Flores is trying to set and bring in um, that's those are the kind of guys that you want. And, you know, I think there's a chance that he's a better person off the field than he is on the field. And he's a pretty damn good player on the field. So at the end of the day, you know, um, there's people that I've heard that don't care for it. It's not the sexiest pick. Um, is it the biggest need? Um I still think as much as I love Godshaw and I, I really like Vincent Taylor um, and they also have Spence, I don't think the defensive tackle position was ever solved at any point. No. Um, is it as sexy as an edge rusher? No, but I mean, Christian Wilkins played everything from a, a six, seven kind of technique um, all the way down to a, a zero one kind of guy. So at the end of the day, depending on what they look to do moving forward, which none of us really know at this point, he could be playing anywhere on that defensive front. Um, you know, and I think if you wanted to play him on early downs as like a an outside five tech um, and then put Godshaw and Taylor in the middle, like really say like, look, like we are stopping the run on this play. You could do that if you want to. Um, but again, at the end of the day, he's just a really good player really good skill set and he's a really good person so i thought that pick was well received thursday night just kind of i made the mistake i was avoiding twitter for the most part because i didn't want avenger spoilers because mm-hmm. i knew I, I knew i wasn't gonna be able to see it until saturday but i still got baited in once they took wilkins i was like i will go ahead and uh we'll interact a little bit see what happens most people seem to really like it some people were really down on the fact that they didn't take dwayne haskins which i expected mm-hmm. But I also didn't expect them to take Dwayne Haskins, so I was ready for that. So go ahead, and we'll use that to segue. Fast forward to Friday, Friday afternoon. It comes out, well, Friday morning, really. comes out that the Dolphins are the team uh, hottest in pursuit of Josh Rosen, who now is out of a job, essentially, because Kyler Murray is taking over with Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. And if you go ahead and we'll backtrack to Thursday night, the other two teams that were supposedly players in the Rosen um, saga, if you will, were the Giants and the Redskins. And they both drafted quarterbacks in the first round Thursday night. Daniel Jones at six for New York. And then Washington, they, they didn't even have to trade up for Dwayne Haskins like everyone thought they would. They got him at 15. So now, again, fast forward to Friday. All the Dolphins' biggest competition is out of the way as far as we know. We're hearing now that New England was a player. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, and I don't really care personally. But at that point, Miami's essentially betting against them or bidding against themselves. 
because Arizona had no leverage. They already drafted the quarterback. They didn't try to shop him at the combine like most teams in this situation would look to do because you have the number one pick. You have nothing to hide from any, anyone. You don't have to disguise things. It's not like you're worried about the team in front of you. There's no team in front of you. It's you. So <clears throat> things get interesting Thursday night, or excuse me, Friday night, and the Dolphins are sitting there at 48. And then right as they're about to pick, they trade down. They trade with the, the Saints, and they fall all the way down to 62, which is two spots away from the end of the second round. So you're look, you're pretty much near the end of the second round now. You get a 2022, which everyone's talked about how great the 2020 draft is. Clearly, Miami believes it because they've started to acquire picks like the Dickens for that draft. I think they packaged a fourth this year to the Saints for that mm-hmm. draft. So now they've diluted the the value of their second round pick. And now you're sitting at 62. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen here? Because still no Rosen deal. And then right as they're about to hit the clock, you see it come through that Josh Rosen is, in fact, a Miami Dolphin. Now, to again, backtrack a little bit. Rosen was my favorite offensive player last year. I made no bones about that. I had a lot of people argue with me about that. And I understood their points. I get it. Everyone had a favorite. <clears throat> but I don't understand, and I've seen some people bring this up. They make it seem like the, the Dolphins gave up too much. First of all, what do you think of getting Josh Rosen? And second of all, is there such thing as giving up too much in this situation when you just gave up a, a low second-round pick for a guy who went number 10 overall last year? Um, definitely a fan of the, the Rosen move, uh, in my quarterback rankings for last year's class, it was Baker Rosen. And then I had Lamar Jackson behind Rosen by just a hair, just because of, uh, his versatile skill set there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I can't comprehend, even if you do like the draft pick math on it, how you can consider it a bad deal. Um, cause even if it wasn't for a potential franchise QB, if you factor in the Saints pick and the pick that they eventually gave up for Rosen with that fourth um, to the Saints included. And then you kind of think about also like, oh, yeah, the Cardinals also gave up a third and a fifth last year to move up in front of the Dolphins to take him. Like if you just simply do the draft pick math, which you could technically do, but using that trade chart thing, mm-hmm. the Dolphins made out really well. You add on top of that, that they could potentially have a franchise quarterback that was drafted one pick ahead of where they took Minka last year, which makes you essentially say that for the 62nd pick this year, which would have less value last year if you were to trade that 60 second pick or whatever at the end of the day that means you got back-to-back first round picks so i i I just have a hard time between i I mean i'm not a big math person but i think it's pretty simple math and at the end of the day you've got a potential franchise quarterback that is at least going to make this year interesting even if they aren't that good so what do you think happens there? I'm just It's a tough evaluation still. You're talking about a guy who got pummeled with Arizona last year. I mean, Arizona couldn't protect him. Arizona couldn't, couldn't really scheme him up, couldn't do anything. And it was, it was a mess. And yet, if you look at his numbers for the most part, if you stay away from his QBR, his numbers are respectable when you consider just the, the smoldering trash fire 
that was going on in um in Glendale last year. So I mean his numbers are right up there with Darnold with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and those guys are considered to have had strong rookie seasons. So I I don't get that part of it. But what do you think that the chances are that Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen is the guy and instead of looking for a quarterback next year the Dolphins are playing with draft fund money. I think I think there's a better shot than not that he could be the guy. Um you know again going back to looking at the other guys in that class, he definitely threw the ball regardless of his numbers cuz people get sucked up in the the numbers and productions and stuff, but if you go back and look at throws like the one that I sent uh you earlier tonight like Josh Allen did not make a throw like that last year. Lamar Jackson did not make a throw like that last year. So, like, I think after Baker, um, I think Darnold was probably a hair better than Rosen throwing the ball-wise. But, I mean, Rosen's still the third-best thrower out of those five guys, um, even on a terrible team last year. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's hard to evaluate him there. I think is still going to be hard to potentially evaluate him this year um, because there's not much offensive line help right now. Um, I think his weapons are better in Miami. Um, I think Fitz is down to the level where Kenny Stills is as constantly played at. Um, but at one point Fitz was a, a star player. Um, and I think a healthy Albert Wilson is definitely better than um Christian Kirk who is who's just finally coming out at the end of the year last year mm-hmm. um and you know you hope Gasecki can can pull together and give him a good tight end option but at the end of the day um you know I, I think it's going to be a tough eval this year I think the thing that's tricky about this is is people keep talking in terms of you know well if he's no good this year just draft a guy in 2020 which is totally a possibility um they have not made enough of a commitment or gave up enough to say that like, no, 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 like Josh is our guy forever. Um, So at the end of the day, is it possible if they have the first pick or, you know, a top three pick and decide like we want the top pick to get a quarterback that they do it in 2020? Totally possible. Um, At that point, you still have one of the best, youngest, cheapest backup quarterbacks in the league. Um, But I honestly think it's more likely that, They'll go into next draft, give Rosen two years, and I think it's a smarter bet that if you're going to hedge your bet on a future draft class, you keep building draft capital to go after Lawrence in 2021. Okay. Way smarter move, in my opinion. All right, and that makes sense, and I've I've seen that from a couple of people. Um, I love the Rosen move, obviously. I think that um, just a natural thrower of the football, but the one thing I noticed and if you watch his and I caught a couple of his games last year um aside from the fact that he looked shell-shocked at times which I would expect from a rookie who's getting pounded out there he just looked late in a lot of his decision making in, in his reads and whatnot and that's something where I feel like having Jim Caldwell in the building and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent working in Chad O'Shea's offense I think is going to be huge for him because I mean he still needs to be coached up here I mean, he's still, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, in terms of of um, mental um, progress, still, um, well, I guess the word I or the phrase I was looking for is 
he's still a, a work in progress. He's still raw there. I mean, there's a lot to work with, though. I mean, like he is just such a natural thrower of the football, though. Uh, the perfect comparison I've heard, and I totally agree with it, is he throws like a Troy Aikman ball. And, I, and mm-hmm. I, I'm with you 100% on that one because when he does let it fly, it does look like Troy Aikman let it go. So I like, I like his chances, though. I got to be honest. I mean, there's, there's a lot that could work against him in that, I mean, he could be in this situation again next year for all we know. I mean, that's not, yeah. that's not outside the realm of possibility. But if you look at a lot of the stuff that went wrong for him in Arizona last year, a lot of that is correctable. All of it is correctable. Yep. I mean, it's stuff where, I mean, Jim Caldwell is going to get him into a routine. And I mean, when a routine, I mean, a, a lifestyle routine in terms of how he approaches the quarterback position. I mean, like there's going to, they're going to work on discipline. They're going to work on establishing um, how much time you allot to everything in your life in terms of approaching the quarterback position. I know he started to do that in Arizona. He's really going to do it now with Jim Caldwell. And I think all of that's going to benefit him. But in terms of talent, the sky's the limit. It's just a, and I don't understand the whole character concern thing. I, I had to laugh. I forget where the story came from, but they were talking about how he's, I mean, we've seen it before too. The the Trump hat is something that got him in some hot water with people because all of a sudden now he's a, he thinks or he speaks his mind. He speaks freely uh, going after Under Armour and, and just corporate sponsorship when he was at UCLA was a, a move that I would say um, did not go over well. But they said that one of his character concerns is that he asked Adidas, who he signed to, the, what was it, that, to make him cleats that were made out of recyclable materials. Mm-hmm. And that was considered uh, a, like a sketch move on his part or something. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, he, he cares about the environment. So, you know, that's an issue, I guess. But like, I just I just find it extremely comical. And like, this just tells you how salty and pissy the Dolphins fan base is, is that like, for so long, everyone just hated Tannehill. You had all those people that ha- hated Tannehill because Tannehill was a robot. And Gase loved him essentially because he was just a yes man. Like, Okay, Daddy Gase, like, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and now, like, now you get the guy that's the exact opposite. And, like, what people are like, we don't want a freaking robot. And, like, that's, he's the exact opposite. And they're like, oh, like, he's too overspoken. Like, there's an issue with that. It's like, <laughs> nah, r- that rant mode is deserved. Uh, have we ever used the phrase Daddy Gase on this show? No, that's a but I- I'll make you a t shirt. <laughs> we can she need to get this started. I yeah. love Danny Gase. That <laughs> well, was not. It. It but, was, but like that's it was, that's that's what Gase wanted, and like you're already starting to hear stuff out of uh, Jets stuff that like Gase is back, and like my it's my show or the highway kind of thing, where it's like, dude, like just I thought you would learn, I thought you would grow, and like realize your mistake of like, okay, look, like I did some things wrong, I need to tweak it here to have success and to be a professional at the level that I want to be at, but like. Obviously hasn't changed, so... And again, I, I love Ryan Tannehill, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and I, you just can't please Dolphins fans, unfortunately. It just is what it is. No, no, you can't. It it seemed like things with Ryan Tannehill just could never get on, on track all at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. he'd be having a, he was having a great season, or a very good season, and then the knee thing happened. Or, you know, earlier in his career, he gets, he gets uh, hooked up with Joe Philbin, uh, the supposed quarterback whisperer who proved to be anything but... 
there's just a lot of there's going to unfortunately, if you're a Dolphins fan looking back on Ryan Tannehill's career, I think there's a lot of what ifs. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it could have been could have been a good player for them long term. But I mean, that's that's neither here nor there now because they have. I mean, we all agree that Josh Rosen is a flat out upgrade over what they've had at the quarterback position over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing I don't think people realize. This is the best quarterback you've had under center since Dan Marino. That's a relative statement, by the way. I'm not saying he's anywhere close to Dan, but they've had a lot of trash under center. I mean, like with apologies to my guy, Jay Fiedler. Love you, Jay. (laughs) But I mean, it's just not been good. And the funny thing is they find another quarterback they find a first round quarterback in the second round with this trade, but typically this is a team that's tried to find their guy in the second round. And that's an exhausting list of guys like John Beck and Chad Henney. And I mean, Pat White doesn't really count because he was a, a supplement really, but it's, it's been a never ending cycle for these guys. But I think that Josh Rosen is going to be fun in Miami. I'm looking forward to it. And if you really want to, get deep with this one I think he's actually good for football because I think what turns off some millennials when it comes to the NFL is it at times can come off as like a meat market sport where it just plug in people and then they just go about it and then that's it you know you don't have a lot of personality there I think that's why a reason why somebody like Patrick Mahomes even though Patrick Mahomes isn't an outspoken guy he's loud on the field he does crazy stuff. You know, it's almost like an and one mixtape with that guy sometimes. But it's fun. Like, it brings a, a vibrant element to the NFL, which, I mean, personality-wise can get a little stuffy sometimes. So, like, I'm cool with it. He's not saying anything outrageous. I mean, if he talks about the environment or he wants to talk about, you know, diversifying his, his stocks and his portfolio and everything, you know, whatever, that's fine. If that's what you're interested in. But the way he handled that situation in Arizona, he clearly loves the game of football because I don't think anyone would go through that kind of thing and try to save face the way that he did. Most people would have just been like, you know, screw this. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this, but he handled uh, it. Well, God, what, what I want to know is I wish we could have Steve Smith on this podcast so I could, you know, talk to him a little bit about Rosen and then ask him how he feels about Tyreek Hill. I'm sure he would say great things about Tyreek Hill because he doesn't unfollow teams on Instagram but Tyreek Hill is a fucking piece of shit and is still in the <laughs> league. But but he he goes on a rant on the draft coverage about a young man unfollowing a team that is going to post nothing but Kyler stuff for the next month and a half. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just remember watching that live and I was like, what is happening? Like, and that's why NFL Network, too, while we're on the topic, has just slowly gone downhill too because they bring in guys like steve smith mjd these like past players that don't really know anything and don't have anything to actually contribute besides dumb nonsense like that and then people just like sign off and go like yeah i think i'll watch the weird espn coverage on abc next year because like as much as i love rich and the guys like i'm not seeing dumb steve smith nonsense no and i don't have um NFL network anymore because I stream now and mm-hmm. we go through Hulu. I'm not under the impression I have that channel. So I actually watched it on ESPN for the first time in since probably the last time I watched the ESPN 
draft coverage would probably be 2008. So it's been a while. The, a lot of us are old enough to remember when Steve Smith was in the NFC Championship game with Carolina and they were playing, they were in Seattle. So this is 2005, January 2006. And he just, in that game, was such a diva. It, at points, was just ignoring John Fox. Just the kind of stuff that he's essentially killing Josh Rosen for. So some of us are old enough to remember that, eh, Steve, you're. Your history is checkered at best when it comes to this topic. Maybe, maybe shh. So I don't, I don't understand. I, I thought that that, and I mentioned this to you, that that whole rant seemed very forced. Mm-hmm. And it, it make, maybe they just want to go ahead and, and create headlines. It seems like that's what ES or NFL Network wants to do these days anyway. They just want to go I ahead and make noise. I, I don't think it was necessarily forced because if like Steve Mariucci was like, WTF, what the hell is going on here? Um, so I, I feel like it wasn't forced. It was like actually spur of the moment. I just think Steve Smith has some other stuff potentially going on and he maybe was having a rough day. Um, and that's just kind of what set him off. But you got to also remember, Steve Smith is the guy that also punched a dude on his team in the face in the lunch line because of something that was a little and pissy for him. So just because he's not on social media and he feels like he's old school or whatever. Um, he doesn't need to be a dick for no reason. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, like, my my take on when I watched it, I was just like, oh, man, he's been sitting on this for a while. So here we go. It was almost like he's had to listen to st- talk about Rosen for a year, and he was like, well, I'm just going to unload here. So Yeah, I, I think I think maybe he had Rosen stuff pre-planned in his mind, but I don't think it was, like, network-planned, because, like, no, for no, all no, the no, stuff no. That, that Mooch and those guys have done, like, Mooch was just like, what the hell is going on? And I've never seen him like that. Which is too bad because NFL Network used to be all about, like, the analysis and everything. Like, their draft analysis used to be so good. Mm-hmm. Like, in the, like, I think that network started in, like, fall 2003. I remember, like, their 2005 coverage. Like, they were breaking down the running backs. It was really good. And I came away from that thinking that, because I wasn't sure which running back I liked the most. And I came away from that thinking, yeah. I think I like Ronnie Brown. So mm-hmm. helpful at that point. They don't really offer that anymore. That's not really a service they provide. Um, so we're, we're in agreement. We like Rosen. I'm excited. He's got his number three. That's going to be cool. Um, I'm hoping that his presence gets guys like Gesicki going, which, by the mm-hmm. way, you mentioned he changed to number 88, which is mm-hmm. the if you're a great Dolphins tight end, you should wear number 88. Yeah, I think oh, it's yeah. required. I don't think they should let receivers touch that number personally. And when Carew was wearing it, I was like, get that off him. I, I kind of liked Carew. I feel like 88 is a cool receiver number, tight end or uh, wide out number regardless. Um, oh, but, it's a yeah, great Carew, number. Carew, Carew just never made it happen. No, I love the number, but I feel like in Miami, like when I think of tight 88, ends. yeah, Mandich, um, mm-hmm. Keith Jackson. So the just guys just absolutely killing it in that number. So, all right, let's go ahead and back off the Rosen thing a little bit, just because there's plenty of other stuff to talk about. So there were other picks made. Great news. Um, and another guy we had been talking about, I th- want to say as far back as last fall, Michael Dieter, now a Miami Dolphin, moved around, played left tackle at one point at Wisconsin, and then did work at center a guy where i mean i like him as guard i think his best position might be center actually but the 
idea is that he can play multiple positions, and I think he's a really good guy. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good investment. I, the only reason I wasn't thinking necessarily him, and even though I love Bu a lot too, um, the only reason I thought they might not make sense in Miami is just because of the past type of lineman. Um, but we didn't know what this new staff wanted. So he's he's a mauler. He's a guy I think they're trying to bring. I think some of these picks that they made, especially round three and on, reflect some of the things that worked well in New England that they would like to try to replicate on a base level to create that that base to start with. Because, um, I mean, as soon as they picked Dieter, I was just thinking Shaq Mason. Um, you know, what they turned Shaq Mason into up there in New England because – Shaq Mason was a dude that played in that that wishbone BS Georgia Tech offense, was a mauler run blocker. Pass blocking was fine. Um, I think Dieter is a better pass blocker, to be honest. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they're trying to replicate their own Shaq Mason. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's mauler is definitely the the MO for what they're looking they're looking at right now. And I mean, let, let's be honest, after however many years of trying to go the finesse route. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of going back and just getting dirty. Yep. So, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I think Michael, I love Wisconsin guys. I don't want to go much, go too much into this. We talk about this all the time. Wisconsin guys, in addition to great talent, bring a great attitude in my opinion too. Like I mean, typically when those guys are on your team, like there is just, I mean, just a lunch pail attitude with those guys. I mean, like they're willing to do the dirty work. There's nothing. They're they're not divas about stuff. I mean, unless you're John Moffat, that was a little weird. But he comes in, and like I said, I like I think I like him most as a center. But I think he mm-hmm. he'll probably do just fine at left guard too. Yeah, so, yeah. I think I think he'll end up sticking at guard, um, just because they right now they seem to like Kilgore, um, which I was hoping they'd upgrade their center position. But at the end of the day, I think Kilgore is serviceable. Um, but I think, I think you wedge him between Tunsil and you put him next to Kilgore, who can help him out his first year, and that's a really good recipe for success on the left side of your line. Right side, I don't know what the f's going to happen there, but left side looking good. Yeah, I mean, even though we're kind of j- jumping across picks a little bit, what do you think of Prince? He's fine. Um, <laughs> I think he. He's a pretty good run blocker. Um, I think he has more functional strength than bench press kind of numbers will give you. Um, he feels like a, a less good version of the Taylor Deckers that have come out of Ohio State before. Um, I think at the end of the day, he's probably more likely a um, extra swing tackle, um, a guy that you just always have on your roster. He's always your number three tackle, which isn't, a bad thing to have um, where they took him. I think that's fine. Um, I think people that think that he may be a starter even year two or whatever, that's, that's a little extreme for me. I was bummed that we, they missed out on uh, David Edwards. The good news though, they seem to be Wisconsin guys in this draft too. I wonder if we're going to see that going forward, but you seem to be a fan of Van Ginkle. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I think, again, uh, like I talked about with Dieter and Shaq Mason, I I think they're trying to replicate their own Kyle Van Noy. It's just a coincidence that he has the the van in his name, I think. Um, 
<laughs> and it was funny because I didn't do a lot of work on him because between him and Conley, they were both pretty banged up and in and out um, during their time at Wisconsin. So I figured, you know, they're going to be sixth or seventh kind of rounders, uh, maybe even undrafted free agents. Um, and I just did not have the time this year to do the work that I usually do. Um, but so I went back and watched him because everybody was saying like, oh, yeah, he's he's a good, you know, 34 outside linebacker, pass rusher kind of guy. Um, and, and he can develop from there. That's not what he is at all. Um, he's he's an OK pass rusher. He doesn't have a lot of pass rushing moves. The one move he does have, though, is that that four step um, cut and spin. You know, cut with the inside arm, spin back inside. He he got guys every now and then with that, um, which is nice. But when that's your only main move, that's like a real back pocket, you know, fourth, fifth kind of move in my mind because you can't be spinning all the time. Like, it's just not it's not practical at the end of the day. Um, but what he does really well is he covers really, really well. And it's not like Kiko Alonso coverage where it's like, Good job covering that patch of grass, my friend. You did a good job. I'm proud of you. Um, he like legitimately covers and like shuts down throwing lanes and like makes plays on balls. Um, he had a, a pick six that was exactly the same as the uh, Jerome Baker one this past year against the Jets, um, which that was great to see. And then he had another interception where um, the the tackle tries to cut him. And he he's just like, nope, that's not happening. And then when, once the ball is thrown, he just has the length and athleticism to snag it and come down with it. Um, so, I mean, I think I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to try to work in to be your 43 uh, over under kind of guy, depending on what side he technically plays. Um, but he's a guy that you can put on the edge there. If you wanted to run that Christian Wilkins as your five tech, put him next to him. And then from there, you either blitz them, you peel them off, or whatever you want to do. Um, I think at the end of the day, if they get the most out of him, he could be your, your maybe not to the same startup level as Xavier Howard, but he could be a guy that, you know, three years down the line, people are looking back where they're like, oh, this was a wasted pick by Miami. And he he's one of our top linebackers. Do you think the Dolphins, had he remained on the board, do you think they would have taken Winovich? Um, that's that's, a big, that's a big topic for debate. <sighs> a lot a of people one. wonder if New yeah. Orleans or if New England jumped up to take him because they thought that the because I mean, let's face it, New England's a little in tune with what we want right now. So, yeah. so what do you think? I don't know. People people started coming around on Winovich towards the end of the draft process there, but like everything I saw, regardless of combine numbers, is like he's just an extremely high motor guy that that has three or four moves in his pocket um so against the lesser uh big 10 competition he looked really good and he's also one of those guys that because of that motor picks up two or three sacks a year just on like quarterbacks shitting bricks and he he chases them down that's all there is to Mm -hmm. it um i think he's good i don't know if miami would have gone that route because all the guys that they were looking at as edge guys they were looking at length. That was one of the biggest things was length. Um, and that's something that he doesn't have at all. Um, and I mean, like, what's the difference between having him and just getting Charles Harris to do what he needs to do? You know what I'm saying? You think that they can? Because that's, that's another topic that's been, I I think, up for debate 
as and something that's been discussed frequently in the past couple of days I've seen is the fact that they're going to try to use Charles Harris the way that New England would try to use Charles Harris, which is stop trying to make him a defensive end. Yeah, I, I think I think they will put him in a better position to to be successful, Char- Charles Harris. I think if you do see him lining up at end, it's at a two point stance. Um, Absolutely, and they're gonna and they're gonna scheme him to have help from the inside in case he does get pushed out. Um, but so, I think they get more out of him. Uh, I definitely not the biggest Charles Harris fan. So at the end of the day, I don't think you get the twenty second overall pick worth out of him. Um, but I think he's a guy that you can get enough out of him that if come contract time, you can pay him like a third pass rusher, then it, it might be worth it. Uh, I don't think they're going to turn him around and he's going to become a superstar or anything. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Um, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of that pick, but thought that they might be able to do something with it. Would you just, I mean, while, while we're talking about Mizzou guys, Shane Ray's just kind of kicking around out there. Would you take a chance? Why would I want Charles Harris 2.0? <laughs> less, less, less enjoyable Charles Harris 2.0. I just like, wanted to hear you say it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, most of those Missouri guys, they're outside of your Coney Ely's and um, who's the other one that actually had some length? Um, Alden Smith. Yeah. Most of those guys are like that, like they advertise them as 6'4". They're more realistically like 6'3 and, you know, 3 eighths. Their arm length isn't as long as you'd like it to be, but that's just based on being 6'3 compared to being sold as 6'4, 6'5. Um, they all have a good first step because that's like the main thing out of their system. But all they ask those guys to do is be two-point stance pass rushers most of the time. Right. And that's that's all there is to it. You know, because most of the time they they I've I've seen Missouri run where they just essentially stack their linebackers in a nickel with uh, both guys kind of lined up on like an outside A-gap look. And then they have both their defensive tackles and three techs or like inside shade fours. Like, so they they run like a wild NASCAR package sometimes. And they've been so bad for so long that like they're chasing teams 24-7. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I, I don't think any Missouri pass rusher is going to be high on my list unless they come with other attributes outside of that typical norm that they look for you just like guys who set the edge i get oh it oh my god there were so many lame white edge players this year that i wanted so bad just because they set the edge <laughs> yeah well i was bummed to see zach allen yeah go, arizona. I mean, go arizona yeah of course or john kaminsky john kaminsky is the other yeah. guy i wanted out of charleston i liked him yeah. a lot too um a guy that i was surprised that they didn't push for but they kind of lost the opportunity to after they dealt that fourth round pick to the saints was uh max crosby out of um eastern michigan, eastern michigan. yeah and yeah. and draft dad went out and got him so you know he's going to be a good pick yeah, draft dad <laughs> so what do you think of taking a fullback I, I mean i love fullbacks i think they're awesome um you know and it's one of those things where I don't think they're going to be running the Adam Gase, get your running backs into space kind of stuff, you know, zone, you know, hit it or quit it kind of stuff. Um, I think they are going to try to play 
a little bit more power football, but modernized power football. Um, and right now, if you really think about it, the Dolphins don't have a pure running back on their roster. They have a lot of like scat back kind of guys. Yeah, you they know, don't like, have a sledgehammer. No, like like you could sell me on Kenyon Drake working out of the slot more than like I'm going to run you through the A gap. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, Caleb Balage. I think Caleb Balage showed you some good stuff. But even coming out of Arizona State, I was just perplexed because the dude's like six two, six three, whatever he is. You know, two hundred thirty five pounds, and dude ran like Tinkerbell. You know, yeah. like he was way more finesse than power. Um, so at the end of the day, he's. He's a guy that, yeah, catches the ball well out of the backfield for a guy that size, moves pretty agile for a guy that size. But, like, I haven't ever seen him lower the shoulder and, like, punish somebody. Um, so, you know, he has a little bit more meat to do the inside stuff. But will he? Can he? Um, and then while we're on running backs, we can talk about their last pick, Miles Gaskin, who I, I loved at Washington. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I sent it to you at one point, but I was super confused in this draft. Um, cause the biggest thing that Montgomery out of, uh, Iowa state was being sold on was like experience. And he carried that program. He has a lot of tread up, taken off of his tires, but like he really carried that program. And it's just like, all right, Miles Gaskin did the same thing too, but because he's not, you know, 5'11", 230 pounds, there's a difference. Um, and at the end of the day, Miles Gaskin gives you way more in the passing game than a David Montgomery ever will. Um, you know, I think the same thing for Justice Hill, who went to Baltimore. Um, they're just guys that carried their their programs, and when they were handed the ball, they did what they needed to do. So, and actually, you're talking about the size of Kalen Bellage. Uh, Kenny and Drake's not much smaller because he rolls what mm-hmm. two, six one. He's about two ten, two fifteen, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, I think he might have gotten up to like two sixteen to two eighteen at one point too. So, um, yeah, he's not that yeah. that much smaller. No, they're not. They're not quaint back there for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how their philosophy philosophy differs this year in terms of how they handle their backfield. I love the Miles Gaskin pick, yeah. by the way. So I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot uh-huh. a little bit because why not? <clears throat> I'm just going to ask you some questions. You can be as brief or as um, elaborate mm-hmm. as you like. So I'm just going to put some stuff out there. All right, best pick for the Dolphins this um, weekend. Best within a week after or best long term just I mean, well it's got to be i mean I, let's go ahead and do long term in terms of like this is this is a big pick. i think regardless is the safest ones easily christian wilkins i think he's going to be on this team for a decade and he's going to run that locker room and he's going to give you multiple pro bowls and everything you want wow so they're they've got their franchise guy inside and they can build around that yeah now. yeah and i mean and you've got fits on the back end like you got a franchise guy up front you got a franchise guy in the back i think um hopefully they lock up x who should be a franchise guy as well so the defense has some nice cornerstone pieces that's another thing too i mean if you're going i mean they're not paying josh rosen nope. anything now it's they're what six million dollars over the next three yeah, years? Yeah, something, something crazy, something stupid low for paying a quarterback, even a rookie scale quarterback like that. So, because of stuff like that, you can afford to lock up yep. X. This is how NFL NFL teams do it now. And I mean, that's one thing a lot of people haven't talked about, like how it, it 
this move further allows them to lock their dudes up because and if Rosen is their guy and I mean and you're able to because I mean, there's a fifth year option in there yes, too. Yes, there is. So, I mean, you, that's pretty much the Konami cheat code as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, 100%. I, I realize you're um 90s slash 2000s kid, so I don't know <laughs> how familiar you are with the Konami code. I don't mean to throw stuff out there like that. So, all right, the pick you you like the least this weekend. Pick I like the least this weekend. Um, Man, that, that's a tough one because I, I do like all of them. I I guess it would technically have to be Cox because he's a fullback. Um, and I think he will provide the least, and it's, I can't even say least versatility over the course of his potential Dolphins career because he had a wildly versatile career at uh, Auburn for a, a place that used to just line up fullbacks and say, go kill. Um, That's you right. know, because there's, if you go look, um, the guy that's the PFF guy, the lead for the Dolphins, he put out a thing um, that, you know, primarily he saw the most snaps at fullback, saw the second most snaps at um, actually like tight end in line. And then he saw snaps in the slot legitimately as a running back um, and technically as a quarterback running their Auburn Wildcat BS. So, I mean, he just has to be the least favorite pick just because I like the other guys more. Just by default. That's fine. Uh, the most underrated selection the Dolphins made this weekend. Um, that's tough, too, because I think Gaskins is a great player, and I think he's going to be a steady player. But I, again, I think Andrew Van Ginkle has the opportunity to become a Kyle Van Noy, and I think he could become it sooner in his career than Kyle Van Noy was because he struggled so long in Detroit there. Um, so if they can get the most out of him, I think he'll be unbelievably underrated where people are saying right now that like, ah, that's kind of a wasted pick. I thought he'd be like a seventh round pick, like undrafted free agent. We are essentially Patriots South. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which I mean, if you're going to if you're going to copy any team, honestly, it's it should be them. I'm surprised more teams haven't tried to do yeah. it just based on their their ratio of success to failure and based on how no one in the league ever seems to be able to figure those guys out long term so least of all us anything else you want to get out there i mean next week we'll talk about the undrafted free agents we're trying to keep this thing within an hour and we're already at 45 minutes yeah um honestly i could no no you're good you're good i was just gonna say i could talk about josh rosen all day yeah i i don't think people realize how big that acquisition is People could talk about the character flaws, whatever. Even when people on NFL Network talk about it, I saw you had guys like David Carr chiming in and everything, and they sound like they haven't watched any of yeah. this. Like they're just, it's like they, re- they read an article and then they're basing their opinion on that. Like he kept talking about perceived, um, how people have perceived Josh Rosen's attitude um, and then the realities of his attitude. And I mean, not in a good way. And I just thought, like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Like, no one seems to want to read anything into this, and they just want to go ahead and just shoot from the hip. Yeah. So I don't get that part of it. I'm excited, though, because the upside is big time. And I think it's and this team does have weapons. Mm-hmm. 
I'm hoping that what they've been able to do with the offensive line, I think Dieter will make a difference. Getting Kilgore healthy will be a big deal. I would still like to add some pieces in there. I don't think we have a long-term right tackle right now. Nope. So, and that's why I was a little bummed because I thought David Edwards could be that kind of guy. But, I mean, that's not a guarantee either. You don't know that. But that's just kind of how I felt going through the um the draft this weekend. I was a big Edwards fan. I mean, honestly, we wanted to take all the Wisconsin guys, like Ben Shaw. <laughs> yeah. ben, ben Shaw had, what, like 20-some suitors? Like, because he was undrafted. Oh, yeah, people were all over him. People, uh, I think there were people that were definitely perplexed of, like, how is this guy not drafted at all? Like, not even the seventh-round flyer on him. Yeah, I didn't get it. He ends up going with Detroit, mm-hmm. so they're better off for that. I like that guy a lot. I love him. Dieter was my... Well, I will say, I, I think Dieter was probably my favorite guy on that line. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Um, Dietzen obviously oh, retired. He was my favorite. I, I when I went back to watch more Dieter film, I was just like, "Who is this guy just destroying these poor human beings? Like, like pancaking guys every single play." I was like, "Who's sixty-seven again?" I was like, "Dietzen." I, I was just super. Dietzen. I was super bummed that he retired. But like, if your body's breaking down, man, like. I want you to live a long, happy life, not Zach's happy that you may be the right tackle for them next year. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And I'm glad I, I applaud him for making that decision because that can't be easy. No, not at all. So, I mean, walking away from a sport that he's probably been playing for the, you know, the last, what, 12, 13, 14 years of his mm-hmm. life. Um, I applaud him for that. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be so much fun with this team now. and I. I love the mix of getting Rosen in there with Caldwell as that quarterback coach. And overall, I guess you'd say kind of guru. I'm excited to see what Chad O'Shea does with the offense just because I love the idea of bringing some of those Patriot concepts. Um, almost like abstract thinking to to the, an NFL offense. I'm excited for stuff like that. And, I mean, let's give Chris Greer, Greer credit. I thought, I mean, I'll ask you in a second, but I thought he killed this draft. But what grade would you give it? Oh, you're the worst. I, I was hoping we could I dance know. around the whole draft grade thing because draft grades are so stupid. Um, they are, but they could, the reason they are is because they usually come from stupid people. Yeah. Like you watched everything. I think people value your opinion. And I'm just saying, like, if you had to throw a grade on it and just watching it over the weekend, I said, Zach, how did you feel about what you just watched? What do you think? If I had to give it the stupid draft letter grade, I think I'd give it probably an A minus. Um, I think okay. Christian Wilkins' pick was an A plus. Um, again, I, a home yeah, run. I think I think from again an on field off field perspective, you can't do any better. Um, I think the Rosen trade was an A. Well, I'll give it an A. A plus is kind of tough. Um, but it's as close to an A plus as you can get because of I think not only the fact that they got him, but two the move that they made with the Saints that you have to factor into it, which helped them build more draft capital for next year as well. Um, I just didn't like give it up that fourth round pick because the fourth fifth round for the Dolphins has been a sweet spot over the past you know decade or so. Um, that's right. So I, I I hate giving up that early day three pick. So that's the only reason that's not an A plus. Um, I think Dieter's a really good pick, um, you know. So I'd give the Dieter pick probably like a like a a B plus A minus kind of thing. Um, I think 
as much as I love Van Ginkle, I do think that you probably could have gotten him a little bit later. But if that's the guy that they think is perfect for that system, then, you know, at that point, you, you got to take him where you, you can definitively get him. Um, you know, but so based on value and stuff like that, I'd say that pick's probably like a C plus, to be honest. Um, and then after that, you hop into um, uh, the price pick. I don't really care for the price pick. That's easily the one we talk the least about, too. Um, again, if he becomes your, your third swing tackle um, for the course of his career, that ain't bad, um, especially for what you're going to pay him. So, again, I'd give that one like a C. Um, and then the the Cox pick, I'd give that like a, a flat out B because I just don't know what they're going to do fullback wise yet. So I don't know how valuable and how much contribution he'll make yet. Um, so it's too hard to guess without knowing the system. Um, and then I, I'd give the Gaskin pick a, like a, a solid B plus A minus because he'll be the third running back on the roster straight out the gate. Um, I don't know how much he contributes in a running back uh, form this year. I think you want to see some special teams out of him, which I think he could be a really good gunner, kind of do some of the Kenyon Drake stuff that he did his first year or two. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it kind of warrants that that A- minus just because, one, Christian Wilkins was a phenomenal pick, and two, you might have a franchise guy in Josh Rosen. Yeah. Um, everyone on Twitter was calling him Prince over the, the weekend, so I'm just going to call him Prince forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. I couldn't help it. I was just, just like, well, at this point, everyone's just going to start calling him Prince. So I'm not even going to call him his first name by Isaiah or anything. Isaiah. It's just Prince to me. <clears throat> uh, real quick, do you want to talk about Dalton Risner? Um, yeah, I mean, like, as much as we love Dalton Risner, I think he went to, well... I hate that he went to Denver because that's another place where linemen go to die, but I don't think he's murderable. Um, I think he's too good overall of a lineman uh, from a, a strength, a technical, and a, a smart standpoint. And I mean, the best part is, is like he gets to go home. You know, dudes from Wiggins, Colorado, I have a coworker that I worked with, and I asked her, like, where is Wiggins, Colorado? She's like, it's nowhere. It just doesn't exist. There's like 12 people that live in that town. Um, but so he goes home, he'll be like, I think he said he's going to be like two hours away from home. And at the end of the day, he'll play right away. He'll have a good career. And I think that's all there is to it. I'm just happy for him. With that, this has been our discussion regarding the Dolphins 2019 NFL draft. I was pleased. Zach was pleased. I hope you guys were too. Uh, that's going to do it for this evening. Uh, next week, we're going to go ahead and talk about the undrafted free agents, how this team will try to assemble smaller pieces as it gets ready for all the summer camps and all that good stuff. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. My name's Keith. And for Zach, this is I Hate the Fins. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>